Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast, where you will get tips to expand your legal nurse consulting skills. Every week, you'll hear from experts from within and outside of legal nurse consulting. They will share their knowledge to help you grow. Your show is moderated by Pat Iyer, a legal nurse consultant with 30 years experience. So join our community, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Here's Pat. Welcome to Legal Nurse Podcast. I'm Pat Iyer, and I have with me today, Henry June. We're going to be talking about a topic that has a direct impact on your role as a legal nurse consultant, on your role as a patient or a relative of a patient. And the topic is the nursing shortage, where we've come from, what's the state of the shortage, and how is that impacting the quality of care? Henry has background in medical surgical step-down and trauma nursing in a variety of settings, and he serves attorneys as a behind-the-scenes consultant as well as an expert witness. Henry, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Pat. I'm glad to be here. You know, I know that there's been a lot in the news, and there's certainly a lot in buzzing around the nursing worlds about the nursing shortage. Can you tell us a little bit from the perspective of what's going on in the United States specifically, how bad is the shortage? Yes, Pat. So the shortage is a massive issue. Uh, Just in Florida alone, the Florida Hospital Association states that by the year 2035, Florida will be short 60,000 nurses. And nationally, it's projected up to a million nurses that will be short. So it is a massive issue that we need to have fixed and have resolutions to find out how we can fix the nursing shortage uh, with new hires and how to keep nurses in the field. So you brought up a couple of factors that have played into this with keeping new nurses in terms of retention. What is, from your perspective, what are the factors that seem to make this difficult for new nurses coming into the field and deciding to stay versus deciding to leave the field? So some ways that it's making it difficult for new nurses to stay is that after post-pandemic, a lot of the experienced nurses have left, and there are a lot of new nurses training new nurses, where a new nurse would come in, they get their preceptorship for two months, and then a couple months later, there's another nurse that is going, new nurse, that is getting precepted underneath them. And it is not fair to the new nurse because they're still trying to understand how to take care of their patient, how to delegate it to the right person, how to manage all the orders that are given to them by the doctor. A lot of hospitals are, I guess, not understanding that it takes time to get the new nurse to become a seasoned nurse and understanding how 
the hospital works and what policies need to be implemented and to keep the patient safety uh, patient safety in the front of their minds. Well, you brought up certainly several factors related to the orientation and the transition for that inexperienced person. I was reading a novel this weekend about how things occurred during the pandemic. And I remember, and you probably remember the stories, particularly in New York City, where people would go out on their balconies and they would bang on the pots at seven o'clock when the shifts were changing and people were coming home as a way of supporting the nurses who were trudging through that misery. Why do you think the pandemic caused such an outflow of nurses out of the profession? I think the reason why there was a lot of outflow is because there wasn't a lot of resources and understanding of what was going on during the pandemic. When the pandemic was occurring, a lot of people didn't know what was going on, how the COVID was transmitted, and a lot of the resources that those experienced nurses had was kind of taken away. And we were set, not set up for failure, but set up to only take care of the patient, which we loved and we would do over and over again. But when your colleagues are falling left and right because of, you know, either they weren't ready to deal with the pandemic um, or they found other opportunities uh, to fit their lifestyles. They had a, and then you had people who wanted to stay, but you just didn't know what to do. It was just, everything was all up in the air and everything was like a scramble to try to find how to stay safe, how to make sure that the patient safety was still important for those nurses and but you still wanted to be safe yourself and that's what happened and that's how i believe that that's what caused the mass exodus or um decrease in morale for the nurses and you tell us and i'm assuming that you were working clinically as a staff nurse in that time how did the the impact on patient safety get affected by the factors that you're describing? So patient safety was affected um, by a couple of factors. So during the pandemic, especially in the med surge setting, we normally have six patients, six patients to one nurse. Uh, during my experience uh, during the pandemic, we had a significant deficiency in having uh, patient care technicians or patient care associates. And it was just us nurses, and especially in the trauma med surge where I was working during the pandemic, we would have three trauma patients and three regular med surge patients. But I would have one tech for only three of those patients. And I would have to do the other, you know, vital signs, finger sticks, stuff that we can do. However, it is 
stressful when you don't have a another person helping you out and you still have to deal with you know passing medications talking to the doctors talking with physical therapy occupational therapy everyone that needs to deal or do something with a patient you're pretty much the gatekeeper and you don't have anyone to kind of delegate that to you have to do it yourself and that is something that was very stressful during that time and were you also taking care of COVID patients? Yes, we were. I was also taking care of COVID patients during that time as well. So you would have to gown up, put on everything. And if you had a altered mental status patient and either you had um, a clustered or even if your assignment was spread out, you would have to degown, try to run over there and try to make sure that the patient wasn't falling or um, having any issues when the bed alarm was going off or if they were pressing the call light. So it was very stressful on that end because if you're in the COVID patient's room or in an a, acute care patient room, you have to think about, hey, should I stop what I'm doing here and run over to if the alternate patient and bed alarm is going off? And if I don't have like a, a technician at that time, you have like a lot of things just running in your mind what is the like riskiest thing right now how am i following the appropriate policies during the pandemic mm -hmm. yeah i had never considered that factor that if you're fully gowned and gloved in an, a, a covid patient's room and then you need to be pulled out of that room quickly that that requires a whole step of getting those gowns and all that equipment off in order to go somewhere else. Yeah, it, it takes a, a process. And especially during that time, you didn't want to spread anything. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to follow the infectious um, disease protocol during that time. I have heard nurses also talk about crisis documentation that they did during this era, which certainly could impact our ability to analyze medical records of cases that arose during crisis documentation. Have you encountered that term at all? I haven't heard um, or encountered that term. However, I do know that when it came to um, documenting during that time, a lot of things were pushed back in the sense that you would have to wait until the end of your shift to actually document everything that you could, had to document that happened with a COVID patient or happened with a regular patient that didn't have COVID. So mm -hmm. I could um, see if that was, if that's the terminology, like a crisis documentation where med surge nurses had to wait until the end of shift and then backtrack and document everything that they did that day. Yeah, that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to a question I asked you earlier when we were discussing the impact on inexperienced nurses as a result of the nursing shortage, you mentioned the need to have to be a preceptor to somebody who was not that far behind them in terms of experience. Mm -hmm. And that many experienced nurses left. For those who have stayed clinically active, what are some of the factors that you see in 
the impact on them now working in an era of a nursing shortage? So for experienced nurses, uh, I've come to terms that um, with those that I've talked to, um, that it is very eye-opening to see what it was like pre-COVID and what it's like now. A lot of, uh, with my experience, a lot of the resources are not there that was in the hospital prior to COVID. Where prior to COVID, there would be times where your charge nurse wasn't um, in the assignments. So what I mean by that is that they didn't have a, a group of people that they had to take care of. Uh, you had that resource where if you didn't know a policy for sure, you can ask them, uh, you can have them help you try to get an IV in, or if you had a question, they were right there to answer that for you. Now, a lot of the times due to the nursing shortage, you have charge nurses who have the experience, but they have to take care of patients upward to three, four, or even five at times um, during your shift. And for other experienced nurses that kind of not relied on the charge nurse, but needed that guidance still because they weren't entirely sure of the policy, you don't really have that anymore. You have to kind of uh, figure it out yourself or try to catch the charge nurse when they are not busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What has been your typical experience with the number of patients who are assigned to a med surge nurse now? So my experience, is, the max that I've had is six. However, with other colleagues that I know, they've had seven or eight. And having seven or eight, that's a lot for one nurse to manage everything um, that I discussed earlier and mm -hmm. making sure that you are comfortable uh, making sure that you're documenting everything that has happened and making sure that you're in compliance with the hospital regulations. And we should mention that there is at least one state, which is California, where there are state-mandated ratios of nurses to patients. I believe California is one to four, but I don't know if that is still accurate. But in general, it's the mix of nurses and patients that dictates the number of patients assigned to a med-search nurse. Right. As we think about how to handle this, you know, what are some of the, the impacts of the nursing shortage on patient safety? Because our underlying goal, whether we are legal nurse consultants or nurses, is none of us want to see patients injured, even the most vulnerable people in the hospital are at risk for medical errors occurring. So tell us what you think is the impact. What are some of the things that we should be looking for as legal nurse consultants when it comes to patient safety incidents related to the nursing shortage? So what we should be looking for is what was the assignment load for that nurse? What was the acuity for 
their assignment? Did they have resources available? Like I was talking about earlier, did their charge nurse have an assignment? Uh, did they have anyone else that were that was a resource for them to assist to make sure that the patient safety was um, upheld? These are some things that we need to look at because with my experience, I've had six patients, um, three of them of which were trauma patients where they had either a fracture or they even had um, a unforeseen circumstances. They had a bullet stuck in them, you know? Um, and then we had other patients that had shortness of breath where even though they came in with like a simple diagnosis, they had to be put on like 15 liters oximizer. And I've had a patient that had to get a blood transfusion, all of that in one shift. So taking care of those like six patients and the acuity that they had is a lot. And then on top of that, there are some hospitals where they don't do cluster care where they or cluster assignment where it's all your patients are in one pod sometimes they spread the patients out so that's another question that you can ask the nurse hey was your patients all in one area or did you have to run from one side of the hospital or one side of the unit to the other side of the unit these are some questions that we can ask to figure out how their shift was during their um, during the time of the incident. Henry, tell us about what creative and successful solutions can healthcare organizations use to deal with the nursing shortage. Before we continue with the show, I'd like to share this special announcement with you. Here's a quick video about telling stories in your blog posts. Not only do stories help pull your readers into your writing, but these stories also help make your points and concepts more memorable. What kind of story should you tell? Just about anything is relevant. Here are some examples from blogging for legal nurse consultants. Share your knowledge and attract clients. Consider telling a story about yourself. For example, if you're writing about how you helped an attorney understand a key point in a case, telling a story about yourself makes you real and approachable to your readers. This enhances the know, like, and trust element. Tell relevant stories about somebody else. You could tell a story about a client who benefited from your services and got great results. This deepens your credibility. Tell well-known stories. These could be fables or stories about historical events or even stories that you pull from well-known books and movies. Make sure you're accurately recounting the details. If you flub them, there's a chance the reader will realize you're being inaccurate. One of Aesop's fables tells of two goats who met in the middle of a narrow bridge. They couldn't pass each other, neither would yield. They locked horns in battle and fell off the bridge to be swept away by the river below. Aesop's moral is that it's better to yield than to resist stubbornly and be destroyed. 
You can apply this principle to many professional and personal situations. You'll find many more valuable suggestions in blogging for legal nurse consultants, share your knowledge, and attract clients. Get it today at lnc.tips forward slash creating series. Now let's return to the show. So some creative ways that a hospital system could deal with the nursing shortage is by figuring out what you can offer nurses. I was reading an article um, today uh, about how a hospital in Houston developed a video monitoring unit that is filled with only RNs. And they, what they do is that in the patient's rooms, they have video cameras and they would either do admissions, discharge, asking the patient if there's anything that they need, and also making sure that the vital signs are stable as well. This would alleviate a lot of stresses for the bedside nurse, knowing that there is someone that is there that can call them if anything were to happen, or just to do the admission and discharge. Doing those two things alone alleviates a lot of stress for especially the med surge nurse when they have six uh, six patients to deal with at a given time. Mm-hmm. So then are you saying that there's a group of nurses who are observing these patients remotely? So they are observing them remotely. However, they are still working in the hospital. So mm. the hospital has like their own floor that has computers and everything and monitors, like the their monitors, they have like five or six monitors like right there in front of them. And they help the nurses in the hospital do the emissions and discharge and monitoring the patients. Got it, interesting. I'm aware of telehealth arrangements, but always assumed that they were in a separate building or perhaps not even within the same geographic region. Uh, are there other thoughts that you might have in addition to what you were reading about with a uh, remote monitoring? Yeah, so uh, some additional thoughts um, about just a nursing shortage in general is trying to find ways to incentivize nurses to become teachers. And one of the factors that is also contributing to the nursing shortage is the amount of nursing educators that are in universities or colleges throughout the nation. And when there is, for every one or two applicants to a nursing school, you know, one person might be rejected. So there might be 2,000 people who apply to XY University of their nursing school, but half of them might not even be accepted due to the fact that there's a shortage of educators and people who can assist those nursing students to learn what they need to learn to be outstanding nurses. So that's another thing that we need to try to help 
uh, focus and try to incentivize nurses to become educators so that we can increase the nurses in our profession so that there is not a shortfall or a shortage of nurses going forward. Part of that issue, Henry, and you pointed out something that is, it's been present in nursing education for a long time, is the demands on the faculty to publish, to have doctorates, to maintain a clinical role. And yet, in many cases, they are very poorly compensated, at least in the United States, for all of those responsibilities that they have. So it's hard to recruit and retain educators in schools of nursing. And it's also because of these requirements, especially a doctorate, they're by that very nature are older than many of the nurses working in the clinical area. So they are now retiring and not interested in continuing to work forever, not being replaced by other people in those faculty positions. So we've dug herself into a bit of a hole between the demand for nurses, the nurses who are leaving the field, the nurses who are leaving the educational field and not being replaced. All of that, I think, are, are factors that influence the number of nurses that we have in nursing. And then if we can't keep them and they leave, one of my colleagues told me she heard a statistic that one out of three nurses in the United States was thinking about leaving the profession. We have a huge issue. And you and I have just scratched the surface of that issue in this podcast. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, there, it is a, a huge topic that we can not only discuss in about 30 minutes or so, it's something that needs to be uh, talked about and trying to, and all of us, we need to figure out how we can fix this issue where we have this shortage, where we want to have a surplus of nurses. We want to have more people in our profession so we can have more diverse ideas and ways to help patients and to help our colleagues in the hospital setting. And all of that influences patient safety and the, the role of the legal nurse consultant in evaluating the quality of care that was delivered. Was it something that a reasonably prudent nurse would have done? We have now this additional factor is, did that reasonably prudent nurse have enough resources to be able to deliver the care, enough education, enough insight, enough training, enough orientation? enough supervision, all of those factors can have a huge impact on patient safety and on the legal nurse consultant's analysis of a case. Uh, Henry, I know that there are people who are listening to this and are saying, I've got a medical surgical case, I need an expert witness, or I've got a trauma case, I need an expert witness as a nurse. What would be the best way for them to be able to connect with you? The best way that they can connect with me is calling me at 904-701-8489, or you can shoot me an email at henry.june at jlng.info. 
All right. So we've got Henry's email address and phone number. I recommend that you give him a call. He's got the skills and the knowledge to be able to analyze MedSearch cases and would be happy to assist you. Thank you, Henry, for participating in this podcast and sharing with us your insights from the field, so to speak, in describing what it's like to be delivering care today in a med surge unit and an acute care hospital. Thank you for having me, Pat. And for you who's been listening, be sure to go to Legal Nurse Business Channel on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. You'll get notified about upcoming podcasts and other videos that we release on that channel and to stay up to date with what's going on in Legal Nurse Consulting. Thanks so much for being part of our audience and paying attention and listening during this podcast. And I look forward to seeing you in the next one. Coming up next, you'll have an opportunity to meet Denisha Thurman, who is a legal nurse consultant in Las Vegas. We just finished recording her show. Denisha, tell our viewer, what were some of the topics that we covered? Uh, we spoke about um, why I enjoyed legal nurse consulting, um, the autonomy of it all, uh, getting my first client, uh, what what that entailed and how I came about that. Um, we talked a little bit about exhibiting um, at conferences and how to research those and uh, put that on your marketing plan. And we talked a little bit about balancing um, clinical um, work along with the business activities um, through me traveling um, for travel nursing and starting, starting and maintaining and growing my own business. We covered a lot of topics. And if you are new in the legal nurse consulting field, you will be inspired by the way that Denisha has gone about getting her business going. If you have experience in the legal nurse consulting field, you'll be inspired by Denisha's ingenuity and the resources that she put to use in order to get her business going. Be sure to come back to Denisha Thurman's podcast and enjoy her perspective and her advice. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out Pat Iyer's resources for legal nurse consultants on LegalNurseBusiness.com. Pat coaches legal nurse consultants so they make more money, get more clients, and avoid expensive mistakes. Check out her coaching program at LNCAcademy.com. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Join our community to get notified of each new episode and to receive the transcript of today's program. Complete the request form on podcast.legalnursebusiness.com. We appreciate you and your interest.